Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey Rush Nation, once again the week has rolled around and it's time for Fast Action Friday with Robin Pitsy. How's it going Pitsy? Yeah, all good, mate. We uh, these weeks seems to be flying by at the moment. Oh, it really does. Like, can you believe we're actually talking about the halfway point in the season now? <laughs> It's crazy. Eight weeks is, yeah, just got in a blink. Well, seven weeks, we're on to our eighth, aren't we? Yeah. Um, I, I think missing the preseason games and just throwing us straight into the season, it's like, whoop, here we go. Here's week one. Yeah. And, you know, eight Good. weeks later, here it is. Well, with that, let's get this halfway party started with the injury report, mate. Whoop, whoop. Um, so the first player we've got on is Joe Mixon. Uh, he did not play in week seven due to his foot injury. Had previously been in and out of the week six contest against the Colts as well. Uh, Gio Bernard, he took over carrying duties against the Browns, and he's been uh, Mixon's been absent again from practice this week. So I expect another week of Bernard. Yeah, it was nice to see Bernard getting quite a lot of carries because I know that he was quite well involved in the game before Mixon turned up. Um, one thing that Mixon's absence does do is move that offensive focus away from carrying the ball and shift it to the passing game because uh, Gio's often used as a pass catcher that will make coverage 
a little bit more difficult. And as we saw last week, Bernard did score a passing touchdown from near the goal line. And what is quite exciting about this as well is it means that Burrow could also have the option to run the ball a bit more because the coverage is moving away to the passing personnel. And we all love a Burrow run. It's all, it's great to see. Um, we'll just have to track Mixon's attendance at practices for later in the week just to make sure that they are going to stick with Bernard. But um, this could be another big game for Burrow and the passing personnel. Nice. I mean, I've got Geo in a few places, so I'm, I'm happy that Mixon's out. But it's a bit rude, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. So next up, we've got Philip Lindsay. He left the game with concussion. Uh, Melvin Gordon came in, scored a rushing touchdown, but then did fumble twice in the game as well. Yeah, quite a tricky one for this, like not just for Denver, but for any fantasy owners who got him as well, puts them in a bit of a bind because uh, a couple of weeks ago, Gordon did see some um, bad behavior outside of the office, let's say. Uh, It could well see some disciplinary action for that coming up and that could come up any day so if Gordon is taken out while Lindsay's still in the concussion protocol then that will just leave Royce Freeman so not really an option you want to be starting Um, however until that day comes I'd probably be sticking with Gordon until the NFL step in I like Lindsay I think he's uh, he he played really well last season Um, so coming in with Gordon then taking some of his snaps was it a bit, mm. a bit gutting, but obviously now Gordon's uh, done what he's done. So hopefully Freeman, uh, not Freeman, uh, Lindsay will come out of protocol and get his game time. Yeah. All right. Next up on the list, it's a double header. It's Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel. Both got injured during the game against the Patriots. Brandon Ayuk and Jamichael Hasty, I think that's how you say it, or Hasty, mm-hmm. I can't remember, uh, stepped up. Uh, Jared McKinnon was bottled up very well. Yeah. Um, I've always thought that McKinnon has seemed like a great change of pace back to sit behind the lead rusher. But it also seems that Hasty seems to fit that same role as well. One of them is going to have to step up to the plate and become a lead back and potentially get focused on a little bit more. They've both got good yards per carry average when they've been behind someone. And I'd be tempted to say that whoever gets a nod in this game will not be as effective as that change of pace back. And it's going to be make... Uh, that contest between the two very interesting to watch there's been news about Tevin Coleman as well been thrown into the mix at some point so you know that backfield is up in the air at the moment Um, as for uh, Debo Samuel you know this next game would have been the the perfect matchup for him they're playing the Seahawks which is a great matchup for San Francisco and the wide receivers on paper Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk you know they are going to be the next ones up. And I'd be tempted to start them in any matchup just because of how high that ceiling is against the Seattle secondary. Yeah, I was gutted that uh, Debo went down. I've been uh, rating him. I've spoke about him a couple of weeks ago on the uh, name before the game. Sorry, game before the name even. (laughs) Uh, He is. So, yeah, it was sad to see that happen. Hopefully he'll be back in a few weeks and... We'll go from there, but it's uh, hamstrings are always bad for wide receivers. So, oh, yeah. All right, then Andy Dalton. He left the game against Washington with concussion. Hasn't fully left the concussion protocol, although he did attend meetings on the Wednesday. Uh, ben Denucci looks to get his first start. And I know that there has been talk about analysts wanting to start Denucci. I just don't think it's a great idea. Um, last week against the Washington Pass Rush the Cowboys O-line gave up six sacks uh, and then have given up 10 sacks in the last two and a half games. So I think Dalton has got seven 
Danucci's got three. And it just shows how big of a difference maker Dak Prescott is behind that offensive line, like getting it out of those uh, hurrying and those sack attempts, uh, being great at his feet. And I actually thought that Dalton would be able to do that. You know, he's been very mobile when he was playing for the Bengals, got some uh, good touchdowns, but apparently he just can't seem to escape the pocket at the moment. And then they face the Eagles this week, who are third in recorded sacks so far this season with 24. So, you know, if last week was hard enough, then coming up against the Eagles is going to be another tough one. And uh, uh, up until last week, the average numbers of passing attempts for the Cowboys quarterbacks was 47. Last week, it was 22. So uh, the lowest number so far. The completion percentage was 52% as well, also the lowest of the season. So unless the Cowboys can sort that offensive line out, then all passing personnel are going to struggle again this week. However, I would fire up that Philly defence against the Cowboys. Yeah, that Cowboys team's just imploded on itself, hasn't it, after yeah. Dak's Dak gone? So, yeah, sad to see, but yeah, just they've got nothing now, absolutely nothing. Now from bad to worse. Yeah. All right, finishing off the injury report is a bit of an update on the status of Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones. Uh, they're set to face each other this week, as yet Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer said that Cook will miss Wednesday's practice this week. We should be ready to suit up uh, for the game against Packers, so we'll see how that one goes. On the opposite side, it could yet be another week out for Aaron Jones. Matt LaFleur told reporters that missing the Texans match helped Jones, but the running back has to continue to improve and get better each day. Which makes me think that last week's injury was more persistent than being let on. Mm. Either way, Jamal Williams did a great job uh, with his extra carries last week. And this Minnesota defence is struggling to stop the run developing at the moment. So it could be on for another good week. Oh, I would say so. Yeah, Jamal Williams did some good jobs in some of my leagues last week. Yeah, he's kind of helping a few of my leagues where most of my starters are out. So hopefully he can uh, have another solid week this week. Yeah, and there's a lot of those starters out at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. All right, then, on to weak points. Uh, And have there been any changes in the standards in the teams conceding fancy points against quarterbacks, Rob? No. It is the Atlanta Falcons once again. The Seahawks did close the gap a little bit after their overtime loss to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. You know, Kyler Murray was otherworldly, I think is a good word to describe him. But no, the Falcons are still up there. Um, and then they play the Panthers this week, who seem to have found some success with the passing game. This podcast is going out on the Friday, so the game will have already happened. However, there are some stats to back up why I think this is a good match for the Panthers. Um, the Falcons have struggled against uh, teams who have got good passing defence, like the Bears and the Bucks, but they seem to do reasonably well against teams otherwise. However, the Falcons have given up 1,561 yards to wide receivers, which is the second highest behind the Seahawks. Um, and unfortunately for the Falcons, that is where 70% of Carolina's pass attempts are directed. They go to the wide receivers and they've got some big ones. Um, as we know, Teddy Bridgewater has been accurate with his passes. It's been widely marked in a lot of the Panthers games. 78% of Bridgewater's attempts have reached their destination, but that also includes players who've only caught like one or two targets, you know, who've got the 100% marks up there. However, you take those players out and you just count the three main wide receiver threats. That's Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, 
and the two main running backs, Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey before he was injured. And that still comes out at 77% or 77.6% of attempts that have reached those five players. So that's a huge number considering how uh, often players don't get targeted and how, how often they don't manage to make those completions. Um, and that number is actually higher than the Falcons' completion ratio against them. Um, so 275 targets have been put up against the Falcons so far this season. 197%, oh, 197%, 197 <laughs> targets have been completed, which is 71.6%. So if both teams perform as they have been, you know that percentage for the Panthers is going to be higher and we could see a lot of trouble again for the Falcons this week. All right, so we'll go on to the most fancy points to the running backs. Uh, Packers still atop the list with Raiders just behind. Panthers have now moved to third. Mm-hmm. Remember, they still haven't had their bye week, so that final average is smaller than the two teams above them because they have played more. And Houston are less than one point behind, and they have also played every week so far. But they are all we talk- on their bye week this week, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> just sorts out that percentage afterwards anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we we talked last week about the Packers not actually doing that badly in defending the rush uh, from running backs, and they did well in that regard last week. They kept the Houston rush to under 100 yards, but we also said that it was actually the pass-catching running backs that caused the issue. That led to us to say that David and Duke Johnson's lack of involvement in the pass game might not cause that much of an issue. Well, we have to eat our <laughs> words because David Johnson did end up scoring his first receiving touchdown of the year. And so the troubles in that area continue for the Packers. That's three touchdowns scored by pass-catching running backs, which tops up the seven rushing touchdowns they've already conceded, making it double figures. Mm. It's probably not getting any easier as the Packers come up against the Vikings this week. It's a repeat of week one's matchup. And Dalvin Cook who uh, he put two rushing touchdowns past them that day. However, it is that pass-catching element that could prove the Packers undoing here. Cook and Matheson have both got over 10 targets so far this season, so there's a chance that they could also find the end zone like Johnson did. However, based upon Matheson's lack of usage in the end zone, I feel it would be Dalvin who gets the receiving touchdown if anyone's going to get that nod. Yeah, like we, we were pretty adamant that you know David Johnson was not going to be involved at all and it just so happened that he and Duke Johnson saw the equivalent to their highest uh, targets of the season so you know if they can do it then I've got no doubt that you know Dalvin can either um yeah, so, Matterson's quite a, a nifty little running back to kind of back up the cook as well so yeah and I think that's where he has you know fallen a little bit flat but same as uh, McKinnon and Hasty, he does well as a change of pace back behind someone who's taken all the carries. And, you know, when he got put into that lead role, he didn't do as well as a lot of people thought, which, you know, included myself. I thought he would do quite well, yeah. which, which is a shame. But you no, know, if Dalvin's back, then that could be good news for Madison as well as Dalvin. Um, so if we talk about the wide receivers, and like I said last week, it was expected. Seattle are still top of the list. Cleveland did close the gap a little bit after what the Browns did again, uh, what the Bengals did against them, but they are still over 200 yards behind the Seahawks. You know, Kyler Murray found three wide receivers for touchdowns against Seattle. I think it was what D Hop and Kirk got two. Um, so that just piled more misery on in here. And it, again, the matchup isn't looking good for Seattle again. 
Um, they've got San Francisco this week. As we said before, Debo Samuel is out for a while and Seattle are much better at not giving away fantasy points to running backs than they are at wide receivers. So it's looking like it's going to be another target focus for the wide receivers at San Francisco. Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk are likely going to be the leading receivers since Debo's out. Trent Taylor doesn't get that much use, but Bourne and Ayuk are good at yards after the catch. I think a third of their yards a season have come after the catch, so that could be a bit of trouble uh, for Seattle. And it would be ridiculous of San Francisco not to use this glaring weakness to their advantage. They do like using Kittle, but it seems that they follow the numbers when a team is weak against wide receivers. They use the wide receivers. When they're weak against tight end, they seem to use the tight end. So if we're going with that logic, then Bourne and Ayuk could be on for a big game. Yeah, I like that. No, that's good. I quite like uh, Ayuk at the moment. He's, uh, he's coming on, especially with Debo out. I think he's... Uh... He's going to get some big targets soon over the next couple of weeks. He got the he got the highest number alongside Kittle last week, didn't he? Like I think they both got nine each or something like that. Um, so if he's going to continue getting that usage, then you know any fantasy owners need to be dropping him in from their benches into the starting lineups. Pretty sharpish. Yes. All right. Let's move on to the tight ends and uh, most fantasy points to them. Surprise, surprise, Atlanta make it another double scoop. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are definitely top of this list after conceding that touchdown to TJ Hockinson right at the death on Sunday. Uh, this was well predicted when we talked about how many points Atlanta gave away to quarterbacks and that Atlanta was second worst in giving away those to tight ends too. Lo and behold, Stafford hits Hockinson and scrambled out to the pocket uh, and Atlanta jumped to the top of the pile over the Saints who didn't get troubled by Carolina's Titans, uh, which we also brought up last, last week as well, didn't we? Mm-hmm, yeah. So now Atlanta have conceded the most completions to Titans, as well as the most yards and the most touchdowns. That being said, they face Carolina Panthers in Thursday's game. So unless you only have Ian Thomas and Chris Lennertz available, then I would give this one a miss. And we don't flex on Thursday either. So. No, we don't. <laughs> Bearing in that, uh, bearing that in mind, we are recording this before the Thursday night game, so I hope you've taken this advice before the podcast comes out. Yeah, a little bit of uh, retrospective advice. <laughs> um, yeah. If I'd have to choose a team to to go for in terms of tight ends, because I had a bit of a look at this, I probably have to go for the Titans tight ends against the Bengals, uh, and that is because Cincinnati are the third worst for points overall against tight ends. Um, and their opposing quarterbacks have attempted the most passes to tight ends against the Bengals. Uh, they've also conceded the third highest number of tight end yards. And they've also conceded six touchdowns to this position. Now, bearing in mind, three of those came last week against the Browns. So Njoku got one and Harris O'Brien got two. However, I still think this is a weakness to exploit. And as we know, Ryan Tannehill likes to use his tight ends. John o. Smith has seen games with multiple touchdowns already this season. Michael Pruitt and Anthony Ferkser have also scored the season. Um, Smith has been quiet the last few weeks. He's been recovering from an ankle injury and, you know, the Steelers matchup was going to be quite a tough one anyway. I think it was four targets, only one reception. Um, however, the Bengals are weak against the run. So hopefully they focus on Henry, you know, this week. Henry's going to be an absolute beast if the Bengals can't slow him down. And then, of course, you've got AJ Brown, Corey Davis. They can take quite a bit of coverage away as well. And hopefully... Smith and Ferkser, Pruitt, you know, they 
are left a little bit unguarded and they can get, you know, the effective targets, the effective receptions, and, and that will pay out big for them. Yeah, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons tackle this uh, last-minute um, trade deadline. Mm, yeah. I don't know whether they're going to uh, kind of blow everything up and start from scratch again or whether they uh, try and get other players in to help bolster the squad because they've got, they've got talent in places, but for some reason it's just not working. Yeah, I'm fairly sure I heard a rumour about some teams interested in Julio, so... We'll have to see how how that pans out. I, I don't think it would be the right move, but you know needs must. And if the Falcons need to reinforce it in areas like the defence, then how far are they going to go? Right, Rush Nation. It's that time of the pod where we play game before the name. If you haven't listened to the first two rounds, this is where Rob and I choose a player and just talk about their stats and see if we can guess who it is. But it's also uh, got to be a player that we also like going forward for fantasy purposes. So Rob's player last week was T. Higgins. How did he do? Well, T. Higgins got his lowest target number in his last few weeks. Uh, he got five targets, five receptions, but 71 yards and a touchdown, which is still a very respectable uh, return for for that number. As we know, it was a bit of a shootout between the Bengals and the Browns. You know, Tyler Boyd got a huge number of targets. AJ Green got a huge number of targets. Um, I actually really liked Higgins' touchdown. He got the ball, spin, a spinning move to get in for the touchdown. Uh, Boyd got uh, 11 catches and 101 yards and a touchdown. So it it could have been either one I'd picked last week. Uh, I, I opted for Higgins because he's got a bit of a, a lower value than Boyd at the moment. Um, one thing's for sure, Joe Burrow did a great job in the passing game. And as we said before, it could be another one this week. So let's talk about the new player for this week. So what I've put in. This player has got a point to prove since leaving his last team. And we'll talk about why once we've had a bit of a guess about it. Uh, And when you think about this team, he's not really a name that you would associate with them at first thought. And again, we'll talk about that in a bit. Last week, he saw his highest target share against the defense who is tough at this position. When he's been getting his targets, he is catching 75% of them, and that's one of the highest in the team. He's also amongst the highest yards per reception in his team. He scored the most touchdowns for his team this year, and he scored a touchdown in each of his last three games. So he's on a bit of a hot streak, which is always good for anyone who's looking at DraftKings. We'll talk about his value in a bit. He faces a team this week that is ranked amongst the worst at defending his position and has conceded multiple touchdowns to players playing the same position last week. Quite a lot there. Quite a lot of good stats. Have you got any idea? You see, I was looking at this and I was thinking, he's left a team, he's come to a new team this season and he's scored three in the last few games. Did he used to play for Philly and does he now play for Las Vegas? Yes, he does. Yes. Who is it? Who is it? his name is escaping me uh, you have to put me out of my misery I know who it is I even have him in my head because I picked him up on waivers the other day but I've totally forgotten what his name is Nelson Aguilar that's it Nelson Aguilar thank you, thank you. and the reason I say he's got a point to prove is because that, that viral video came out about someone watching a fire in Philadelphia and 
berating Nelson Aguilar for not being able to catch balls and I think the 75% of targets is a pretty respectable uh, rate for, for someone who was getting ripped for it last season. Um, <laughs> I wrote about him in my uh, under pressure article for wide receivers. Like he did need to prove a point at the, uh, the Raiders. And like I said, he was a name that actually was difficult to come to your head. Wasn't it? You think about rugs, you think about Edwards. Well, and you're like, it, yeah. What's his, what's his name? What's his name? And yeah, it's uh, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I like him. I, I even thought about writing him for this piece for my my player. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that was good. Well, great minds think alike. So that's it. What about your player from last week? You had DK Metcalf. Yeah, this. Well, I'll start how I started last week with Debo, and say it's all about the long game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, although after saying that about Debo, he's going to get himself injured. So if DK uh, DK gets injured this weekend, then uh, I'm going to have to stop. Joining this segment and jinxing the players as I choose them. <laughs> anyway, uh, the game went only one way, and it was the way of the locket. Mm. Uh, he took twenty targets. Well, he yeah, he, got, he caught twenty targets, didn't he? And compared to DK's five, who uh, no, no, it was lucky. got twenty targets, and DK only got five targets. Yeah. DK caught two of those and turned those into twenty-three yards. So still managed to get an average over ten yards per catch, which is still good. Uh, but to be honest, I'm just clutching at straws right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about him. Uh, let's go on to my new player. So my new player, he has two rushing touchdowns this season and one receiving. So that doesn't sound a lot, but he's in a system that has had big fancy names ahead of him. But the good news for him is that these names have now gone down injured, which should give him an uptick in the workload. Uh, in the last game, when yet another player got injured, he ended up having seven targets and caught six of them, turning those into 115 yards. Uh, this season, he's had 20 receptions for 280 yards, and he's actually got a nice split between his yards before the catch and after. Mm. So he averages 8.2 yards before the catch and has a nice average of 5.8 yards after the catch as well. As I said, he's got two rushing touchdowns as well, so he's had four rushing attempts for 69 yards, averaging eight yards before contact. He's also got a nice start of 9.3 yards after contact in his rushing as well. Granted, that's only from four rushes, but it's a useful, useful player when it comes to uh, changing up what's happening around him. And he's got a, pr- mm. a cracking play caller as well to give him a boost in those stats. Uh, with team injuries now, he's got a great opportunity to crack on. Ooh. So the, the thing that I saw first is that it was a team with a lot of injuries. And that did get me thinking about uh, teams like the the Niners. I was thinking that it could have been somewhat like uh, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, uh, with those rushes in there as well. And then I thought about Chase Claypool as well, because he's had a few rushing touchdowns. Um, but then I came back to the 49ers because you said that it was, it, there was rushing in there as well. And I... I'd seen that it was 150 yards off six catches. And unfortunately, when I was doing the research for the Debo Samuel and uh, Jeff Wilson injuries, I'd noticed that it was Brandon Ayuk who had those stats. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, is it Brandon Ayuk? It is. Yes. Well done. Congratulations. I mean, it was was tough between going between uh, Woods and... Uh, and I because I know that Woods is getting a lot of use in the rushing uh, area. 
You see, um, you, you could have taken Woods out of the option because you know that Cup's my boy, so... Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's had a few rushes as well, as, uh, as Cooper. Well, yeah, well, not as many, but... Um, yeah. He he's certainly starting to feature a bit more in that in that area. Uh, incidentally, I have got Nelson Aguilar down as four thousand seven hundred dollars on DraftKings, and Brandon Ayuk is five thousand eight hundred dollars on DraftKings. Um, so again, if that's uh, two players that uh, tickle your fancy, get them in your lineup, and hopefully those stats can help you get the winning formula that you need for DraftKings this weekend. Yeah, maybe not put DK and he's gonna get injured by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 jinx it, don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Seriously, we we'll record next week and we'll uh yeah, I'll have finished this segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh finish this off. Let's on to the final segment of the podcast. Rob's Friday fade. How did last week go? So like I uh, thought it would be, it was a bit of a controversial one. Clyde Edwards Alaire had just come off the biggest rushing haul that the Chiefs had seen in Andy Reid's tenure. He scored his first rushing touchdown from inside the 20, uh, which whoop is whoop. So, yeah, good for him. Not really for what I'd predicted. Uh, it was a great little run, though, and I'm surprised that he managed to get through about six Broncos defenders. Was it the Broncos he was playing? Yeah, yeah. just just managed to get through six defenders uh, and get into the end zone. So a great run. Um, however... He was limited to only 46 yards on the ground and one reception for 17 yards. So that is much smaller than he got the week before against the Bills. Le'Veon Bell came in the second half, took six carries for 39. Edward Slayer was actually outscored by Melvin Gordon in a lot of formats and would have probably been outscored by Lindsay had Lindsay not gone out with concussion. So I like to consider that a bit of a win because it wasn't as good as the week before. <laughs> Yeah, to say it was a snow game as well, where most uh, most snow games go on the ground too. So, yeah, I think mm. that's you can add that bit to it as well for a, a win for the Friday fade. Yeah. So, I'm going to say that's two out of two. <laughs> All right. Who is your fade for this week? It is going to be another running back. And we've already had a bit of a chat about the Cowboys up uh, in the earlier part of the podcast with how difficult it's going to be for the passing game. But I'm going to be fading Ezekiel Elliott this week. Um, which does seem a bit of a reasonable choice after talking about it before and looking at the woes that the Cowboys have had so far this season. Um, the Eagles have conceded seven rushing touchdowns to running back. So again, we're thinking could be a big game for Elliot here. However, the Eagles will be expecting an Elliot centered offense this week and they'll do all they can to target him. So you can expect a lot of defensive plays to stop Elliot from running. That being said, the rush defense has been on fine form for the Eagles. So they have stopped 52 runs at the line of scrimmage, which is 28%. And that is second in the NFL. And surprisingly, that's behind the Jets. Um, so something else to watch out for this week is watching the Jets. Um, coincidentally, that 28% is exact same percentage as the lead runner has been stuffed at the line as well. So lead runners have attempted 56 runs against the Philly defense. They've been stuffed 16 times. Of all runs altogether, only 75 of 202 runs against the Philly defense have gone for over four yards, which is 37%. And again, very, very low number. This is also the same percentage of lead back runs that have gone over four yards as well. So 56 runs, only 21 have gone over four yards. Again, not, not a lot. The Eagles 
are also one of the only remaining teams not to concede a pass-catching touchdown against the running back. So this could also limit options for Elliott as well. We talked about Kareem Hunt in our first podcast being bottled up because of his pass-catching ability. And I think it's the same again this week for Elliott as well. One other major thing that I think will go against Elliott here is that the game script is going to require the Cowboys to throw the ball later in the game, which is not great for him. One thing that I noticed about the Washington game last week is the Washington drives were much longer than the Cowboys and it dragged the game out, which means that Dallas had to move their drives quickly. And as we know, that didn't go very well with the amount of points that they scored. If the Eagles deployed the same tactic this week, then it could force the Cowboys away from the run and towards the throwing again towards the passing offense. Um, Unfortunately, over 52% of Elliott's runs go down the middle of the offensive line. So if they do try and run it, then it's not going to be great for preserving time, but it will be great for running down the clock. So um, this one's quite a bold one to go for again. Elliott, as we know, is a first round pick in in many leagues. Um, The last two picks haven't been too bad. Um, I just think, I think this is the perfect time to choose Elliott as the fade. Um, (laughs) That is why he is my Friday fade this week. Yeah, no, I like it. I agree with it. There's a few people I've spoken to who are trying to trade away uh, Zeke because he's, well, that Cowboys offense has just blown up, hasn't it? So, mm. um, not in a good way, unfortunately. So, um, uh, yeah. And I think Zeke a lot of people is, are uh, expecting... Uh, struggling. I think a lot of people are expecting Zeke to do big things this week, and I, I just don't see it going that way. Um, and, yeah, if you haven't already sold him, I think this game actually will do a lot of damage for people trying to trade him. Like you said. All right. Well, on that note, we tie up another show. Uh, now we wait for those games and then we are into the second half of the season. Oh. It's absolutely flown by, just like our podcast. Keep checking our articles on the website. Give us a rating on your favorite platform. Uh, on another note, Five Hour Rush now have a dedicated sleeper channel. So you can ask them, ask the team questions close to the game time. Uh, so have a look out for that on the app. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Rob? I am uh, at 5 Yard Rob. Nice. And you can find me at Pitsy NFL. Cheers, Pitsy. Yeah, no worries. It's been an absolute belter one again, Rob. So uh, now all there is to do is watch the games this weekend. Oh, yeah. Until next time, Rush Nation, keep rushing. entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.